Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass. With me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton. This week, we speak to Beth McCall, author of How to Come Alive Again, about living with a mental illness. And we ask, is it ever okay to have an affair? Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! Now, do we all remember what happened with Ashley Madison? Nat, for anyone who does not know the Ashley Madison scandal tell us a little bit about what ashley madison is and well tell us about what happened with them a few years ago so ashley madison is a uh, married dating website so if you are married you can go onto ashley madison and add a profile to essentially have an affair and uh, a few years ago uh, unfortunately they were hacked and the details of their members so email addresses names contact numbers uh, were out in the open uh, domain which meant that you could search a database to find out if your other half was looking for another half and there was also a series of mps and celebrity names that came up but it highlighted that there is a platform that's helping people cheat whilst married a growing platform a growing platform because the news this week is they've reached the 60 million member mark and they've had more than 5.3 million new members in 2018 alone that's a lot yeah so i've got to put the question out there ladies have you ever Mm -hmm. cheated on another half so at what point does it so right (laughs) But when, <laughs> what point does it count? I think if one has to ask. No, so uh, when I, I would say if either of you have a justifiable ex- expectation that you are exclusive, and I would say mm. that is you have spent more than 48 hours together. Uh, so in that case, no, because we were never exclusive. Because remember my dating history, I have not actually been in a proper relationship yeah. and I dated sort of. Mm-hmm. like bad boys uh so no so i've dated two people concurrently people. yeah exactly good girl. um yeah <laughs> uh and we often talk about relationships and monogamy and i am still in a place where i'm not entirely sure 
that that is for me. I don't believe there's one person forever and ever and ever. I believe there's someone that you love and you commit to them and you have a conversation about your desires and your wants. And it's highly plausible that you might meet someone in a scenario and you energetically connect and you might want to explore that. I, right now, am open enough to say I could be okay with that and therefore I know I could be okay with an open relationship but there are levels to it and I think there are also levels to where you come so if I was married to someone and you know either of us was exploring I think that's fine I don't think I could be in a relationship with a married man in fact I'd not I don't think I could not be in a relationship with a married man i.e he has someone else yeah Emma what about you uh, no, I've never, I've never cheated. I'm pretty much a monogamous kind of person, really. And I always used to think that I would. I, I feel like we don't have the tools to be monogamous. There is, uh, I, I think, there is a challenge in marriages, and I have a lot of conversations with my girlfriends in terms of there's sort of a misunderstanding of what each other needs to, mm-hmm. you know, sustain a really good sex life and to be interested in sex and to still be interested in, you know, flirting and enjoying your partner for 10 20 years that that is an art you need skills about uh, with that and when I don't think we get taught that so I think the immediate thing is I'm not you know for men the conversations I've had with men who've cheated on their wives they'll be like I love my wife I love my family but I'm just not getting enough sex but then you have to go well hang on a minute like what what's why are you not having this dialogue with your wife why are you not Mm -hmm. seeking ways that the two of you because everybody most people enjoy sex or should be enjoying sex so I feel like we just we're not taught that we don't know how to have the conversation but you know affairs are unavailable people like I don't know why you would want to be with an unavailable person you can't possibly have a really fulfilling relationship with somebody who's not available you can certainly have more sex and maybe that's just what people want so I have never cheated on anyone but I did come very close to having a relationship with somebody who was, to all intents and purposes, married. And I hesitate to say that because I know that Emma's mum listens to this show mm. and I don't want Wendy Sexton to have a bad opinion of me. me. Sorry, Wendy. <laughs> um, but I met somebody a while ago on a dating app and we got talking and we got on really well. And we kept trying to meet up and he kept having last minute emergencies and it really wasn't going anywhere. And I eventually did a bit of Googling of him and found out that he was in a very serious, long-term committed relationship. And so I sort of shut it down. I was like, absolutely not. And then about six months later, he popped up again. And I think I was having a day where I was feeling a bit lonely. And so then we sort of started talking again. And this went on and on and on. It kept happening, kept happening. And I always felt that I was somebody who was very strong, that I would never breach the sisterhood like that that I would never go after somebody else's man in quotes um, I would never go after somebody who was in a relationship and I found myself being drawn into this situation where I was hoping that I could make a relationship with this guy and that that meant that there was a level of deception that maybe mm. I wasn't partaking in but I was certainly aware that he was partaking into his girlfriend and It made me very aware that we tend to be black and white about this subject. Mm. And actually, there but really, for the grace of God, go most of us because. But what isn't black or white is emotion. Yeah. And Mm. that is a thing that my mind is open to. That in any given moment, 
things happen. And I, hand on heart, cannot say that there is, if I got married tomorrow, there, that I couldn't bump into someone that I was uh, emotionally or sexually attracted to and would want to explore that. And therefore it's better for me personally to be honest with myself than to lie. But that's very different to joining up a site like Ashley Madison where you are actively cheating and you are being dishonest. Well, we are lucky enough to have Paul Keeble, Chief Strategy Officer for the Ashley Madison app on the phone. Paul, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. Good evening, ladies. Hi there. So I hope you've heard how we feel. We're sort of... (laughs) We feel like we couldn't do it, and yet we wonder if maybe we would do it. We don't know. How is the site growing so fast? Are there just millions of unhappily married people out there? Well, I think that's a bit of a a misnomer, the idea Mm -hmm. that they're all unhappily married. There's clearly an aspect of their marriage that is fundamentally flawed or lacking in, um, you know, happiness. But that doesn't mean they don't love their wives or their husbands. They're very much what we hear from our members is that they are very happy, generally speaking, but there's an element that they're missing. And instead of choosing the pathway of divorce and, you know, breaking up the whole family, they're looking at infidelity as a, as a new pathway to fulfill the one need that's missing and maintain the family unit. And what we're finding through that is that people are, in essence, building marriages and saving marriages through infidelity. But don't you think we should be teaching them skills to maintain desire rather than actually just giving them an option to go and cheat on their partners? Sure, absolutely. I mean, that would be a perfect world. But the reality is, you know, we live in a world where one partner can say to the other, you know, 15, 20 years into the relationship and, and say, I'm no longer, you know, desiring uh, an intimate relationship. I have that right. And we all acknowledge that is absolutely that one individual's right. To the other partner, what is their option? They can have every discussion they want, but if their wife or their husband says that that bedroom is no longer part of our relationship, what are they left to do? That doesn't mean they don't love their spouse any longer, and all the tools in the world won't help us mitigate the loss of that. Paul, do you not also think there's something about the times that we're in and uh, sex with someone outside of you know, the everyday is also a form of escapism? And more people are in a place where they need to escape from the day to day and sex and sexual pleasure and almost doing something wrong, wrong, I'm quoting wrong, is mm-hmm. is is part of what they're looking for. A thrill. I think there's an element to that. But I think, you know, some of the myths that we try to expose about why people choose this pathway is that it's women who usually choose infidelity for the purposes of physical intimacy, very sexual based. We have research from Dr. Alicia Walker from the University of Missouri that showed that these women were straying to stay in their marriages, whereas the men were actually looking for more of an emotional connection. The physical aspect was secondary to their needs. They were looking to be desired, to feel mm-hmm. that they were still wanted and desirable. The, the physical aspect was part of it, but that wasn't the primary reason. I, I uh, can definitely, I was about to say, empathise with that. I don't know why. I That's interesting because we tend yeah. to assume that men are more sexual creatures and therefore more likely to treat. And yet, what else was in your research, Paul, is that the numbers of men and women signing up is pretty much equal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the UK, in fact, it's actually in 2018, we saw 1.08 women sign up for every one active paid male. So, roughly 
the same, but just a slight increase in female. We've seen a lot of other research outside of Ashley Madison show that very same sort of stat. Wednesday Martin, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her in her book, uh, Untrue, she's been talking a lot about the myths related to women and sexuality and specifically around infidelity. There's been a 40% increase in female infidelity since the 90s, and men have been relatively flat. What age group uh, are predominantly on, at, um, on your site, Paul? Well, it's it's obviously going to skew a little bit slightly older. Our our main constituency is roughly 35 to 45. But what you are seeing is more people who are looking at life stages. Mm-hmm. You know, people who hit what we call the first bump effect is usually where we see the first instance of infidelity. That's what our members tell us. The what first is bump the being first when bump? pregnancy shows up. Pregnancy. When pregnancy shows up. Because you move from a honeymoon relationship between you and your spouse, it's very much just the two of you, and you add that dynamic of a child, and it fundamentally changes a relationship, and people both on sides of the, of the relationship will change how they view one another. Interesting. I also heard as well that there's something around hormones as well, because as men mm. get older, their testosterone drops, but uh, in women it rises. So do you, have you, has your research um, done anything around the hormones? We haven't done anything along that, but if you you know go back to what I said about why women cheat versus why men, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, men going through andropause, you know, will be looking for more of that emotional, psychological connection. Where women who are increasing their you know physical desires through hormones are looking more for a physical connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you've now completely warmed me <laughs> over to the fact that I mean, this site just needs to be there to allow women to explore their every desire <laughs> I'm like well, here come well, the girls it goes back to some of the comments you were making earlier you know what we want and what we do with Ashley Madison more than anything is help people have successful affairs affairs that are not discovered and the first way to do that is don't do it in the office place ah. don't do it on traditional mm-hmm. singles dating this apps is true. find Fair a partner enough. who's also married and neither one is going to want to risk getting caught mm. How many people, do you know how many people end up leaving their other half, Paul? Uh, I don't have, you know, any stats that because obviously not everyone's going to report the outcomes. You know, I've heard some amazing stories where we've had people leave their spouses, marry their partner, and then yet continue both of them on Ashimatis in a more of a open marriage because they've realized the constraints of monogamy Mm. don't fit their lifestyle. Mm. Interesting. And what would for you... Give us your top tip if you want to be a successful adulterer. <laughs> Asking for a friend. So, as I said, <laughs> beyond signing up to ask your master, you know, don't do it at the workplace. <laughs> don't do it within your social circles. Uh, find somebody who has equal risk, what we call mutually assured destruction. Mm-hmm. If I'm married, I don't want to be caught. If I'm having an affair with someone who's not familiar with my family, not familiar with my colleagues, she's unlikely to want to be caught as well. And so those elements you know, are going to lead to a, a greater likelihood of having a successful affair. Actually, Paul, can I ask a quick question? Is, is your site just heterosexual or is it also gay, bisexual? We have everything. So you can sign up, you know, as a male seeking female or a male seeking male. So we have all elements of that. And, you know, we're clearly, you know, starting to see and talk a lot more about, you know, what's going to happen in the gay, lesbian, transgender world as more and more, same-sex marriages are accepted and become legal. You know, in Canada, where we're based, it's been around for, I think, 20 years, so we're kind of used to it. But it's only recently become legal in a lot of other countries. And so that constituency is going to start moving up the chains, not just within our ecosystem, but within the whole world of infidelity, I think.
Amazing. So, uh, really quickly, I mean, do you think this is going to save marriages in the long term? I think more people understand what infidelity really is about Mm -hmm. and have real conversations. I think, yes, it can benefit marriages, but you have to have the real conversations first because here's the, the quickest point I can make. You get married, you talk about all the things you want to do, but nobody ever has a hard discussion about what actually constitutes cheating. Yes, sleeping with someone else is cheating. What happens if I just go up to lunch with somebody? Is that cheating? Mm-hmm. Those levels are where all the differences are made and those discussions should be happening. Brilliant. Paul, thank you so much. Paul Keeble, Chief Strategy Officer for the Ashley Madison app. We've just learned how to become a successful adulterers, <laughs> ladies. That's going to stand us in good stead in later oh, life. <laughs> the Vampire Strikes Back. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. Now, if you are like the majority of people in the UK, at some point you will have had a moment where you've wondered if life was really going as well as you thought it should be and if in fact it wasn't just all a little bit too much. Mental illness is on the rise in young people and suicide is now the leading cause of death among young people aged 20 to 34 in the UK. Beth McCall, author of How to Come Alive Again, is a woman who has decided to try and tackle mental health in a, I'm going to say, Beth, a pretty straightforward, down-the-line manner. Yeah, Uh, I think so. (laughs) I hope so. Anyway, that's definitely what I I wanted to do when I wrote the book. So you said the book is a guide to living with mental illness from somebody who's been there and done that. Tell us a little bit about your story. So, I mean, mental health-wise, I think it's always been there. Mm -hmm. Um when I was a teenager, when I was a, a young person, it was always there. Um, I certainly wasn't willing to admit that to myself or anyone else for a very long time. But I was kind of anxious. I was depressed. I wasn't I wasn't a happy person a lot of the time, despite maybe presenting that way. Um, and it wasn't until I, I got to university and I had an amazing first term and then really crashed the second term that I thought, I'm, I'm going to have to tell someone about this. Um, and it was, I guess that was maybe four years ago, five years ago, that I said to someone, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling depressed. I think this isn't just me being a teenager, a young person. Mm -hmm. I think there's something really wrong. So that was my journey to that very first step where I said, something's the matter. And what was it like when you actually admitted that? How did it feel? It was an odd thing. I didn't want to do it at all. I, I was still in the mindset of, you know, I can deal with this myself and it's not real and it's probably me inflating in my head and I should just you know maybe I'm being a little bit of a baby I'm being weak and people have really have these problems and I'm you know I'm just a teenager so it was very scary and the first time I opened up unfortunately I didn't have a great experience which is something I talk about in the book I wasn't taken seriously by the the GP who said well you you know you're young and this is probably hormonal maybe just try and get a bit more sleep and it took another really difficult couple of months before I went back, saw another doctor and was actually listened to. And they said, yeah, it does sound like your mental health is is suffering here. Let's get you some help. And in the book, you basically talk through the ways that people can help themselves and how to manage that. When you were researching it, um, kind of what, what were the areas that you were like oh I'm really clear this is an easy one I'm going to put in the book and what was the stuff that you were like oh my gosh I didn't even know this was here and I need to really need to learn about it so the DBT and CBT stuff I talk mm. in detail about that's For a really who's not clear on the acronyms tell us 
So there's cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy, which Ooh. are kind of quite similar ones, um, which uh, there's a lot of workbooks. It's often the first port of call for a GP or a professional to say, these are things you can do at home. Um, and then, you know, that that's what I talk about in the book. And I'm clear that these are someone else's ideas and this is how they've mm. helped me. And those are really accessible. There are some amazing work workbooks online and free free websites. So that was quite an easy one. And mindfulness as well. That's really in the public domain now. Mm. So these ones are really easy ones. I know that people would have maybe heard of them or a quick Google search, you know, would yeah. help them out. The more difficult stuff, I think, was the medication bit. Definitely, I, I had to really deep dive and do some serious research about that because, you know, it was kind of scientific and medical. And despite, I've taken a lot of different um, antidepressants and antipsychotics so I knew from personal experience but there was so much that I didn't know in these kind of long intimidating names of medications so that was where I really put the research I think. Because there was a recent news report wasn't there that antidepressants being prescribed had gone up by 50 percent. Yeah I, I and there's a really difficult conversation that we don't I guess don't know how to have yet about one we need to destigmatize. Mm -hmm. um mental health drugs and medications while at the same time being really honest about the fact that they are in a lot of cases prescribed to young people who maybe don't want or need them in place of what they would need if the funding was there and if there were the resources they wouldn't be prescribed a medication and sent on their way they would you know first you would have therapy or you'd go and see a specialist but it's a scary thing it definitely is yeah because the thing that concerns me about the the tablets is is whilst they immediately give you the relief from mental health, which can be really important, I worry that people it stops people from developing the skills to help them manage their mental health. If you know, and there's different, you know, the scale of of mental health support is quite vast. But I do feel, you know, I've got friends who've gone on antidepressants, and and whilst they've immediately felt better, and I've looked at them and gone, wow, you you've got to the place that's taken me sort of, you know, ten years of reading therapy, working on myself, and you've got there instantly. I can't help but think that actually now when you take those pills are you still going to be able to feel the way you're feeling are you going to have the skills to, to maintain feeling good and looking after your mental health yeah I think that's a really really valid point um the first few times I went on antidepressants and did you know I had some great successes with them and then would come off them or, or whatever and I realized that without them I didn't know how to deal with things I didn't have any of these kind of cognitive skills to manage my emotional distress and manage relationships and and my moods you know if they're going up and down I need ways aside from the medications to deal with them so I think that's something I talk about in the book is building this resilience and, and doing all of the other work because what men mental health medications do in the best circumstances is give you that little bit of peace and space to then feel better enough to then seek out the other support that you need and you know do the learning that you need to do and so i personally love 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 the book and i Thank learned you. a lot so i haven't read it all but flicking through and i so the the chapter breakdown is perfect because you can jump in at, at something that sticks out to you uh, and disassociation was something that stuck out to me because i'd never heard of the term before and didn't really understand it and reading it i was like i have that yeah there have been loads of times where what's that so where you you're there but not there or you feel like you're watching yourself or um certain you, you see things and it, it doesn't feel feel real and I yeah, often get no, it at very it. specific places where I don't I, I know I'm walking but everything around me almost feels like a not a cartoon but a, just a really weird environment and it's sort of 
disconcerting and, and puts you on edge and on ease. But then some, you know, that snapback's like, no, but you are obviously walking across a bridge right now. So keep going. So reading that, I was like, okay, that makes sense. And last weekend, I I stayed in bed for the whole, literally, I could not get out of bed. I, I was just, I delivered to my bed. I mean, if <laughs> yeah. I could have let the been delivery there, man there. up the stairs into my bedroom to give me the food. Open the window yeah. and just chuck <laughs> yeah, it in. Basically. And I just, I, I couldn't do anything. And so reading through it and that process of thinking, okay, this makes sense. Um, and then connecting the dots between that and self-harm so I immediately flicked to flick to self-harm because we talk about it a lot on the show and some people say that drinking red wine is self-harm I'm like one glass is not self-harm uh, or one good glass is not self-harm if it's echo falls maybe uh and so I, this is a really roundabout way of saying that I, I I think you've broken it down beautifully so that there's something for everyone to just connect back to the fact it happens to us all in very different Absolutely. ways at different times that's what I that's what I think. I wanted it to be something that anyone can pick up and and find something in, whether it's someone who has no real history or someone whose friend has just mentioned to them out of the blue, you know, I'm I have depression and, and they think, oh, God, what am I going to where do I start with this? I wanted it to be very accessible. And I know a lot of the information is readily available online, mm. but I wanted to to write it in and put it in one place and, and say it in a way that was not intimidating, not patronizing. And that was, you know, you can open up the book anywhere. It's not a linear thing. Mm -hmm. There's different sections for different things. It kind of builds into, there's one section which is maybe the heavier stuff. It's suicide, self-harm, the real low stuff. But apart, you can open it anywhere and just short paragraphs. Yeah, it's nice out. how you've got the journey, haven't you? You've got like glimmer, sunrise, eclipse, which is, you know, there are those different stages on your yeah. mental health and whether you're happy, sad. We try to organise it in a way that kind of ends <laughs> on a positive and it, you know, it takes you on that journey of, okay, I'm finding out that I'm mentally ill. What is the very basic stuff like antidepressants? How do I talk to a doctor for the first time ever? Into the, all right, I'm seeing a therapist. What should I expect? What should they do and what should they definitely not do? And then on to, you know, suicide, self-harm, the things that we don't know how to talk about. It's not pleasant to read, but it's also important. And then at the end, hopefully finishing off on a point, a hopeful point, mm -hmm. I hope anyway. We're going to keep talking to Beth all about her book, uh, How to Come Alive Again. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
We are talking to author Beth McCall all about her new book, How to Come Alive Again, A Guide to Killing Your Monsters. Um, Beth, the book is aimed, is it, am I right to say the book's aimed mainly kind of at a university age student? I mean, we when we were sort of promoting the book, we were saying, all right, maybe 16 to 35, but I know a lot of the writing is entry level stuff. So possibly it will be best received by someone who's maybe an 18 year old to 25, but it's really just anyone. Do you think that that why is that age group in particular having a bit of a mental health crisis right now? I know for me that that was my real kind of reckoning with mental health because there was suddenly no, there was less accountability for self-care. You know, I went off to university and my parents weren't there and it was, you know, friend, it was new friends. So it was no one that I had a you know real rapport with who knew my history and if I didn't get up and go to university, if I didn't eat right, if I drank too much, there was no one to say, hey, hang on, is this OK? Are you OK? And I certainly wasn't doing that for myself. So I think it's just this freedom and it's this wide open space where things drop off very easily. And, you know, you're not looking after yourself and it's we all yeah you drink too much. And, and for some people, that's absolutely fine. But for other people, that hangover is going to be an anxiety trigger. It's going to mess you up for days and days on days. Maybe you're trying drugs for the new, for the first time. Maybe you're, you know, it's overwhelming, I think. I think that's why. Also, you talk in the book about relationships and how, I guess, how do we manage relationships when we are potentially not at our best mentally? Because we have, I definitely have a thing where I feel like I have to, if I'm in a relationship with someone, I have to turn up as my best. How do we manage the fact that sometimes we're not and also sometimes one of the causes of that is the relationship it's a tricky one it's a tricky one for me especially I um have reached a point in my life where I realize okay I need to do the serious work on myself before I get into a, another serious long-term relationship but I also know people who are mentally ill and they're in relationships and they're managing it by having this constant open dialogue and I think you both have to be in a place where you 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 aren't you know crappy about mental health you understand what it is and you understand that it's you know not anyone's fault and you understand what behaviors come along with it but you also have to be super super accountable and, and say you know some days I'm not going to be able to shop for anyone let alone myself not you and if you can deal with that you know we can we can have this partnership but if not you have to maybe go it alone in a way and which sounds yeah. kind of depressing but at the moment I'm really embracing it as I'm going to do this work I'm going to love my friends I'm going to see where I'm at and I'm going to give myself six months off and and then maybe you know I can have that again so I was just, again flicking th flicking through I think it's really important to say lots of people can function perfectly fine with depression and everyone has everyone has mental ill health and everyone you know it, it's basically a swing yeah we all have physical health we all have yeah. mental health yeah. So how do you how do you go on a journey of helping to normalize it? The book is is the first bit of it. Talking about it is a, is another part. But what else do you think we need to do within society but but also, you know, making the dimensions of it um normal. So in here you reference BPD, which is borderline personality dis disorder. I definitely have that. But and it's fine. But if I said that to a normal person in a pub, maybe they might go, oh, and there's a lot of connotation. So how yeah. do we mainstream it? So it's just like, oh, OK, this is as normal as anything else we might talk about. 
So what I, I mean, I obviously talk, I talk about it all the time. I'll talk about it to anyone who will listen. Um, I tweet about it, you know, but there's only so much that I can do with that. We have to look at the way we present it in, in media. So obviously mm-hmm. with BPD, it's famously really, really misrepresented in mm-hmm. films and TV shows. It's, you know, it's really stigmatizing. So we have to, you know, talk to the people who create this content and, mm-hmm. and try and put forward things that aren't <clears throat> stigmatizing that are fair you know I think um, have you watched My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend just about to say that yes yeah. which just finished and it, I thought it was just fantastic and I know yeah. a lot of people really champion it it's, so I th- hopefully it will change things brilliant representation of BPD in media because for a start for the whole of the first series they don't talk about the fact that that's what she's got so you just see her behaviour and you're like is it a reality show or a... no it's a uh, it's like a musical it's comedy like a musical it's fantastic it's like I guess okay. Um, so you just see her behavior and it's she's seen in this term as the crazy ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. and then in the kind of second end of second series when she gets diagnosed and she suddenly goes back and you see her putting all her behavior in the context right. of what this mental illness means for her and it's a complete rewrite of how we see both a women mm-hmm. um, and our in quotes emotional behavior and also how we see BPD um as shown on screen so it's my crazy ex-girlfriend very well yeah i would recommend also great songs it's just brilliant yeah. really sing along yeah. <laughs> um yes and it's so we we start with that we start with the way we talk about it. it you know we we can all do what what we can do it's exhausting to feel like okay this is my task for to address you know how we speak about this on a kind of cultural social level but what we can all do is talk to the friends and family that we're comfortable opening up with and 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 calling them on on the things that they say when it is stigmatizing when it is unfair i know it's you know it's one person but actually that does make a difference um i think what do you think are some of the ways that we are going to treat mental health differently in the future because we've been having these conversations so for right now i feel like the big one is that we can't talk about it at work because we fear that if we say actually i need to take a mental health day you know, all hell is going to break loose and everyone's going to suddenly be watching you the whole time, mm. expecting you to crack and fall apart any minute. Do you think that that's going to change? Do you think in other ways it will change how our society behaves? I mean, I would really hope that it does, but I know that a lot of a lot of big companies will do pay a lot of lip service to, hey, we're really friendly and we really understand mental health, but actually in practice, it doesn't work out like that. Um, and more and more, I know that what people are doing is just being more kind of communally minded and and kind of finding an ally in work or in university and saying look if I have to do this will you have my back rather than it being a structural thing but I am hoping that there are changes in in these things I talk to a lot of friends because I'm self-employed at the moment um, but in the past have never ever felt that I could be open with an employer about my mental health it's you know it was just never I knew that I would be penalized for it um and I hope that we are going in that direction, but it is it's difficult to see that some some days I know in the book, you talk about strategies for getting through a mm. bad day. If somebody is listening to this and they're going through a bad day, what are some of the things that you recommend? So first off, I think you just have to shrink that expectation of I'm going to achieve something big today. You have to just <laughs> cut that away and say, "You know what I'm going to do today is make it from one end to the other. You know I can do it, I can cry, I can really." freak out and have a bad one but if I make it from one end to the other I'm I'm here and I'm okay um try and do these basic things try and drink enough water try and have some fresh air try and brush your teeth or have a shower or wash or even just straighten up the bed and and clear all the clutter out 
and you know try and make yourself as physically comfortable because a bad day you can try and reckon with it but sometimes it's just going to be a lot bigger than you and that is more than okay Mm. can you tell us a bit about you've got a section here about bad self-care because I feel like you know we talk about mindfulness and we talk about self-care but um you know really a lot of the self-care that goes around is like have a bath with some candles and I'm like (laughs) I just don't think that's (laughs) self-care so can you talk about what is bad self-care so for me I think bad self-care is so good self-care I think is something which takes care of me in the moment and in the future doesn't put my wellness or my recovery in any jeopardy and you know isn't physically harmful or you know it's it's none of these things um so I think bad self-care is something which is avoidant so I think you know if if I would say well self-care is having a bath and I have a bath in the middle of the day when I'm supposed to be doing work or I'm supposed to be somewhere that's not good or if I'm I kind of overindulge in I drink too much and then feel really bad the next day I can say oh that was you know it's fine I'm human I can do that but I can't label it self-care and and for it to be correct I have to be honest with myself about if it has the effect going forward that I kind of have a rough day because of it it's not self-care so you, you I, it was the first thing I flicked to and it's that referencing referencing if you've been inside in bed for four days mm-hmm. the first day because you need it if you're tired fine the second day by day four if you, you I think you said dried tomato ketchup in your hair uh-huh. I was like I don't know what you were eating to have dried tomato We've ketchup in there. your hair um maybe on my shirt I'm not, not so not so sure about that but it is it is that sort of thing and I think we justify it to ourselves because we start off by saying we need it but then there's that line between needing it and then letting as I think your words you know, everything's crumbling around you uh-huh. um or going to goo or so I always remember having that moment, that exact moment when I woke up at like 2 p.m. in the afternoon. It was a beautiful sunny day. I could see the sunshine coming through my curtains and I'd been in bed all day. And I woke up and my uh, laptop was on Netflix and it was showing like season 12, episode 257 <laughs> of Criminal Mind. And I was just surrounded by empty biscuit packets. And I was like, and now we need to change something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like it's morally, it's fine to do, but yeah. when it makes you feel a bit bad, you think, okay, we're gonna adjust. Slightly. <laughs> We've done this long enough now. But we, but there is a line, right? And and so this is the the thing about the spectrum. There will be some people that are tired and burnt out, and therefore they need to just sit still and engage with something that is entertainment and mm-hmm. eat their favorite snack. But it's the line at which it becomes excessive, and I think this is the important bit of the conversation for me. How do we enable people to see what is what is okay and, and what you need and what is that line of there is potentially a problem here and we have this conversation about lots of things whether that's people exercising excessively lots of people like but you know but I'm really really fit but there's also a line where it's addictive and people say you know if you're cancelling social engagements or you don't want to go out because you have to go to the gym that's the flip side and so it's recognizing that something that you term, term to yourself to be good when it then flips into a behavior the word's not deviant, but when 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 is it self harm, not self care? Yeah, when it? is it yeah. detrimental yeah. to yeah. overall? And it's I think it's fine to you know say, all right, I'm doing this because I have depression, I have anxiety, and you don't need to moralise and say, oh, guys, shouldn't, and it's awful. You can say this is why I'm doing it, and I don't want to be doing it long term, mm. but I am doing it because of the depression. Mm. It is problematic, I think, when you're saying. I'm just looking after myself. Everything's fine, and there's mm. seven missed calls, and you work's late, and you are. You haven't been outside. You don't feel great, but you're in some... I've been in that denial space so, so many times. I know what it feels like. It's very easy to get there. And it takes some real grit Mm -hmm. to then gently guide yourself back into the light and back into a routine. It's hard work. It is is difficult. The tipping point. 
Yeah, yeah that's it. Beth, thank you so much for coming in thank and talking you. to us it's about the joy. Uh, How to Come Alive Again is out now. It is it's out. It's been out since last Thursday. It's on Amazon. It's on, it's on Waterstones. It's in the wild. All good bookshops. <laughs> um, as they say, it's a guide to killing your monsters. We love it. We thoroughly recommend it. Uh, thank you so much for coming in, Beth. One, two, three, four. This has been the Badass Women's Hour podcast with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. If you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should do it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.